Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you are looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. So we're going to um, continue on in our series here on Colossians. And so if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to go back and catch the podcast. It's on Facebook and YouTube. Um, whenever we do these series, what I do on the first week is I try to establish a foundation and give us a couple of things that we're going to need to remember throughout the series. So if um, if you missed the first week of a series, no worries. Just go online and kind of catch up to it. And I'll be referencing back to some of that stuff because it's important to realize why Paul is writing um, these specific things to the specific church in Colossians or the, the, in Colossae. So, um, so the four foundational pieces we we laid out, we laid last week. I just want to quickly review them with us. Is letter A in your notes are we are the church. We are the church. You cannot go to church. There is not a separation between the organization of the church and the people. It's not the people come to this organization. No, that entity is not the church. You are the church. I gave like a ridiculous uh, example last week. Can a flock of birds go to bird? No, it doesn't make sense because the birds are the bird, are the, the flock, right? So we cannot come to church um, because we are the church. Does it make sense? So we're, we can gather, but we are the church. Letter B, Paul wrote specific letters to each specific church because different cultures have different struggles. We talked about last week, why didn't he write one letter? And just write that out like 50 times and then send it all out to anybody who came through and any other churches that he heard about because he never visited the Colossian church. Why didn't he do that? Well, the principles are the same, but the execution of those principles in the culture may look a little different from place to place. And the struggles in one place may not be the struggles in another. Letter C, the Colossian church had similar religious beliefs to today's New Age movement. And here's what I mean by that. There's a, a lot of um, a lot of their belief structure, not the church, but the religious folks in the area believed that they could um, they could uh, discipline themselves severely. They could deny themselves material pleasures, and if they would do that long enough, it would help them elevate themselves to like this higher spiritual plane. And it was almost like if I worked hard enough, I could excel or elevate closer to God. It was all works based. And then the last one is doctrine matters. And don't be afraid of that word doctrine. It just means principles, the principles of, of scripture, the principles of the gospel and the principles of the Bible. That's all the word doctrine really means, the principles we live by. So with those four pieces, those four foundational pieces set, let's go into reading what Paul tells this church in chapter one of Colossians verses six through 14. I'll read it out aloud in your hearing. You can follow along in your notes. He says this, the same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. <clears throat> it is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understand the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. 
Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. <clears throat> so there's five things that I want to kind of draw our attention to that, um, that I think is going to shape some things going forward for us just in life as individuals and as a church. And so the first number, the, the first thing I want to kind of draw our attention to is the very first sentence in that passage. And it's and point one in your notes is this. The message of the gospel works everywhere. The message of the gospel works everywhere. That will lead us into our next line on our notes. The Bible's principles are not regional, are not regional. The first, the first sentence that came out of his mouth in this passage is the same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's not a different good news. It's not one that's been tailored specifically to you in your area. The same principles, the same Jesus, the same teaching, the same belief, the same doctrine, all of that is going out to all of the churches everywhere because the message of the gospel works everywhere. If you've been here uh, longer than a few weeks, you understand that I take gratuitous shots at the prosperity gospel. Um, I will include the poverty gospel in this as well because neither one of these lead to prosperity or the gospel. And the other one doesn't really lead you. Well, I guess it could lead you to poverty if you follow it out the right way, but it's not the gospel, <clears throat> right? So we cannot absorb, believe, or teach or tell other people principles that don't work everywhere. If we have a principle and a belief or a nifty little saying that has been presented to us that only works in America, it's not the gospel. It may be a principle of something that someone kind of kind of kind of came up with, but to wedge it inside the gospel, if it only works here, means it's not the gospel. <clears throat> if you really have the ability to say out of your mouth everything that you wanted to create. Your words create your world. I am beautiful. I am prosperous. I am wealthy. I am healed. Then why, do, then why does that not work for the Christians who are persecuted in Asia? Do they just not know that they just have to declare out of their mouth that I'll live and not die? And the Communist Party who's trying to hunt me down and stop me from gathering the church and wants me to worship the emperor and not almighty God and literally last year broke into homes of known believers and forced them to remove the cross off their wall and replace it with a picture of the emperor. Did they just not know that they had the ability to be like, I don't have to do this in the name of Jesus? Did they not know they just had to speak that out? Because that is wildly prevalent here. And everyone thinks, well, it works here because I got a little bit more money after a while, but how come it doesn't work for them? How come when Paul was on his boat and he was shipwrecked, 
shipwrecked, the thing fell apart like the Titanic in the water, did he not know that all he had to do was be like, I am protected in the name of Jesus? Did Paul, the apostle, not know that's all he had to do? No. It's because it doesn't work there. It doesn't work anywhere. It cannot be a principle that we absorb in our country and our church and our Americanized culture and think that, oh, everybody else will just need to do this because it doesn't work. Nina and I have a good friend who does, does missionary work on the other side of the globe. And when he goes and preaches to someone one-on-one -on -one or in a small group setting and tells them about the gospel, they have to make more than one decision. They don't have our lackadaisical, yeah, you convince me. I think I'll believe that. They know that if they're caught as a Christian serving God, talking about him, reading his word, it could mean their imprisonment, torture, and maybe martyrdom. So when they look at him and say, you want me to believe this and now I'm putting my life at risk, yes, it's exactly what I'm asking you. And here, we want to tailor services under 70 minutes and tell your friends to come. You'll be in and out an hour and 10 minutes. Why? Well, it's just a, that's what we need to do. It's just how the Spirit of God's moving. No, my friend, that's culture putting its imprint on us. If it doesn't work everywhere, it's not the gospel. It doesn't matter where we go, what nation, tribe, continent, hemisphere, what language we speak. The message of the gospel works for everyone. And if we have a belief that would not be trans, uh, that would not be transferred and would not work to the, uh, the the believers of Christ in the Ukraine, then it's not something we got from the Bible. It's our opinion. It works everywhere. It's one of the litmus tests for how we know what we believe is true. Number two. <clears throat> the fruit of the gospel is changed lives. The fruit of the gospel is changed lives. Next line in your notes, that means the result of us putting our faith in Jesus, the message of the gospel, is a changed life. The result of us putting our faith in Jesus, the message of the gospel, is a changed life. Now, why is this important that Paul is telling this particular church this statement he's not shotgun blasting stuff we've already determined that or he would have wrote the same letter and sent it out why is he telling that church this thing in this culture because the new age belief was i could through my own effort attain a higher level of spirituality he's saying no 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 no, no. you cannot do it on your own you cannot achieve salvation. You cannot earn it by the things that you do, how much you sacrifice, how much you try to how to participate in the spiritual things and not the materialistic things. He's saying, no, the fruit of the gospel is a changed life. Not the fruit of your works is a changed life. The fruit of the gospel, what is produced in a life that is given to Christ. I believe in you. I am saved. I am transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit in me. That is a changed life. Many people often confuse the gospel with the fruit of the gospel. Now you might be wondering, 
if you Googled scripture and fruit, the first couple pages that would come up are the fruit of the Spirit. But something happens before the fruit of the Spirit begins to grow. There's a new birth that happens. It's the fruit of the gospel. It's the fruit of salvation. Happens before the fruit of the Spirit grow in us. People confuse the fruit of the gospel with the gospel. Have you ever invited someone to church or heard somebody who was invited to church or to, um, I, I'm using the, the, the word incorrectly, uh, uh, given to like a service. It brought them to a service, come to the church service with us. And you ever ask them that and they go, uh, I think I need to clean a couple things up in my life before I go. You ever heard somebody say that? I'm not really ready to go, like, go to like a service or something with all y'all because but still do a couple little things I need to kind of get out of my life first. Because their idea is they have to self-sacrifice to make themselves presentable to God. This is exactly backwards. And we need to make sure that when we're sharing the gospel with people and telling them this, that we're not trying to put it out there as this is supreme behavior modification. No, this is about your life being changed, you going from death to to life but don't i have to do all these things you need to first go from death to life well tell me what i got to do go from death to life you got to have salvation in him because when the holy spirit comes inside you he empowers you to do the things that you can't that your own physical human discipline cannot do for you your discipline may be great but it will run out how do i know I've been trying to do well on my health, and I made a trip to the donut shop this morning. <laughs> I didn't tell nobody, and then my wife calls me on the phone while I'm pulling out of the donut shop. Hey, I thought you were trying to do better on your health. I'm like, I am. <laughs> Leave me alone, woman. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I am. And eventually, your human discipline is going to run out. You're going to be tired, you're going to be frustrated, you're going to be lonely, you're going to do something, and you're going to default to the thing that you really want to do and go, oh my gosh, i got to try harder. No, you're not going to be able to try hard enough to satisfy becoming holy in front of God. We have to remove that from the, the people that are under our influence that we can teach them and tell them, hey, you don't have to get good or get clean before you come inside. None of us did. And the more I tried to get clean, the more dirty I became. It just revealed more and more stuff that, I was, that was caked on me that I had no idea. So, we cannot allow anyone to think when we're talking to them about the gospel that hey get cleaned up first and then you're good to walk in the door take a shower before people come over please do that but in, in the metaphor in the analogy I'm using you don't have to do that before you walk in to a place because Jesus says come to me and I will put my robe of righteousness over you and, no, and we're not going to see what's under there anymore because I choose to forget it So what is the gospel? The gospel informs us that we cannot achieve salvation and reconciliation to God on our own. 
It reminds us that we're helplessly in need of a Savior, and God loved us enough to send Jesus as the eternal sacrifice. Some people may want to discipline themselves into living the principles of Christ's followers and think they're saved, but that's exactly backwards. I heard a very popular influencer online say, I used to be an atheist, but now I believe in God. And as I'm reading the Bible, I go, man, these guys who put this together, these are great ideas. If we could just take these whole, all these ideas and implement them in society and just remove the God piece, we'd be doing all right. If I can behave in this way, it'll be good for everybody. But it doesn't work when we separate those activities from faith in Christ because none of us can live up to the standard. Can't do it on our own. You can't serve God without God. <clears throat> Next on your notes. The change in us began the first day we believed in Jesus. The change in us began the first day we believed in Jesus. Let me go back and read the second scripture. It, the good news, is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. It's immediate. Um, there's a, let me tell you two quick stories about some people that we know. One guy is a worship leader in Texas. For the brief time we were in there, we heard his story. And I'm not going to talk about how he got saved because that we'd be here all night on that one. But before he got saved... And then after he got saved, I want to compare these two things. So before he got saved, this guy was angry, vindictive. He was um, vengeful, violent, wildly promis uh, prom promiscuous. He was uh, – and, and he there was no type of pornography he did not watch or engage in. It didn't matter what the movie was. It didn't matter the rating. He was all down, all of it. He was – Drinking, he was drugs, everything, all of that. He was in the midst of all of that. He lived with a bunch of guys and roommates um, at the time. On it, he was living away from home. He was, he was, um, uh, he got several different women pregnant at different times and convinced all of them. I think there was four or five of them to all go get abortions to terminate the pregnancy because he didn't want to deal with them long term. The last girl. <coughs> did not want to go get the abortion and so he took her and leaned on her and pressured her and paid for her to walk in there and made sure she went through with it because he did not want to be tied to this woman forever even though he professed his love for her that was the guy before he got saved he gets saved and at that moment he goes from the location he's in when he gets saved he goes home and at his home is the party house. All his roommates, all their friends are all over. And he, he had his he had kind of like a hair trigger on his temper. And so if we were walking by one another and I accidentally we were kind of in a narrow place and I bumped into I bumped into him, he was notorious for at that point being ready to fight. He would start cursing you, threatening you, pushing you. No one touches me like that. I'm not your punk. Da, 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 da. And then he would try to get in an altercation with you because he was prone to so much violence just off a simple brush by if we just touch each other walking in the hallway. Everybody knew this. 
He gets saved. He goes home. He walks into his home, and one of the guys coming down the hallway doesn't see him and brushes up against him, and he keeps walking, and the guy keeps walking, and he said about 10 seconds later, he had this really weird feeling because it got really quiet in the house, and he's kind of just in his own head about thinking about what I just did. I just got saved. I feel different and everything, and so he kind of looks up, and everybody in the house is looking at him, and they're all on edge. He's like, what's the matter with y'all? He's like, bro, he just bumped into you. He goes, yeah. Because nobody does that without you getting ready to fight and throwing things, start throwing haymakers and stuff. And it clicked in his mind. He goes, oh, yeah. But I didn't do that this time. And at that moment of him trying to figure out, he looks up and a bunch of his his friends and roommates are watching this wildly inappropriate thing on television. They either watch some movie and there's some and he sees somebody's naked behind on the screen. This guy has spent thousands of hours, countless hours watching this stuff and 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 there's nothing he hasn't seen. So he, for him to see somebody's naked backside, for him at that point, he's so jaded that it doesn't make a difference. But when he saw that, something immediately in him went, oh, I can't look at that. Like just naturally, like without going, oh, I'm not supposed to look at that anymore, so I need to go over here. Something in him just went, oh, uh-uh. And then he caught himself going, wait a minute, I have seen stuff like this all the time. I watched some of the most graphic things you can find, and yet I'm kind of like shy and embarrassed all of a sudden by seeing this. What happened? He changed. That happened that same day. He made it from the place where he gave his life to Christ home, and those things are already new in him. Does it mean that every problem he ever faced or every repercussion of every action or every belief in him was immediately fixed? No, but he had a new awareness that did not come from his own discipline or his own mind that there's something that is alive in me again that now is telling me, oh, uh, -uh I can't do that. Oh, I can't participate in that. Oh, I'm not thinking about this this way anymore. It begins immediately. I talked to another guy who um, personally here about a month ago here in Phoenix, and he was telling me that he was raised in a, in a different religion and something I would call a very false religion, but he was raised in it, and he heard the message of the gospel online. Somebody was watching it in the house he was in. He listened to it. He's like, man, this makes so much sense to me. His, he was convicted. He goes, man, I'm going to pray with this guy, and I'm going to give my life to Christ right now. And he said at that moment, he stood up from that prayer after kneeling down and praying in someone's house. He gets up and goes, I don't know what happened, but I'm kind of happy for some reason. I don't really realize why. I've just been kind of just going through my life, and it's not really happy. It's just I kind of feel good, and I didn't know how to explain that. I'm like, bro. You were born at that moment. You literally went from death to life. Can we remember, any of us in this room, can we remember how we were before salvation? Can you remember the, for me, 
the anger, the hatred, the jealousy, the frustration, the envy, the vengeance, the bitterness, the things I would, I would hold in my heart. And then after that moment, those things would try to raise up in me every once in a while, but the intensity of them just was locked off like 80%. What happened? There was a change that happened immediately. Again, not that all your problems are done. Oh, my eyes turned from green to blue. I grew four inches. Nothing like that. But there's something in me that just changed. And I recognize the change in me because the change in us, if we really believe, happens right away. From the first time they heard the gospel, he's telling them there's a change that starts in you right away then number three the holy spirit gives us love for others the holy spirit gives us loves love for others i don't know about you but i have been told many times in my life i need to show more love or be more loving towards people especially when i was young a, a young young guy what I didn't realize was that when I gave my life to Christ, the Holy Spirit in me begins to give me love for other people. Paul addresses that in that passage we read. He says this. Um, you learned about, um, uh, I'm sorry, you learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant and he is helping us on your behalf. He told us about the love for others the Holy Spirit has given you. Nobody told me that the Holy Spirit would give me a love for other people. I should have put it together when I look back because if you give your life to Christ, he transforms you. And then the, the Spirit of God is in you. The fruit of salvation is there. The fruit of the Spirit begins to grow. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. So if it's growing in me. It's going to grow out from me. Paul tells the same things to people in the church in Rome. Romans chapter 15, verse 30. Dear brothers and sisters, I urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to join in my struggle by praying to God for me. Do this because of your love for me given to you by the Holy Spirit. So when you think of your own life, Think, man, how do I know if my love for others is increasing? Is it the, hey, man, love you, bro. When I hang up phone calls, when I see him at church, love you, man. Love you, bro. Cool. Is it that? No. It's not some superficial nonsense. How do we know if our love for others is truly increasing and not the love for the, you know, like when I was young, I was like, I always hoped that the girl I had a crush on at church would sit next to me and they would be like, join hands as we pray. <laughs> I love this guy. Not that, not that, not that either. Not that either. Right. <clears throat> so how do we know that our love for others is increasing? First Corinthians 13, four through seven. Love is patient and kind. 
It is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, uh, injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Another translation of this ends by saying love never fails. So how do we know if we're being more loving with people? Are we more patient with the people around us? Are we more kind? Do we give more understanding to the people who irritate and annoy us? That guy that you want to, you know, you want to trip him as he walks down the hall by your cubicle because you don't like him or he said something to you or whatever. You want to stick your foot out and watch him fall over. Is it, do you want to do that because all you can think about is getting back from him, getting back at that guy? Or did you hear he's having trouble with his wife? His daughter is sick. It's going through a hard time at home. I need to ease up because there's something else going on here that's understanding. Am I growing in understanding towards other people? Am I less rude to others? I was born and raised in the South where they talk about Southern hospitality, where people will, if you get in an elevator and you got kids and groceries will go to your trunk and help you pick up the groceries in your car and your kids and walk them to your house and be like, you good? You know what I mean? And here I get an elevator of people and I think it's just so hot. They're so used to being inside all the time and they come out and like, there's other beings out here besides me. They get an elevator and it's like, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. It's my floor. You know what I mean? Are we less rude? Well, it's just a city I live in. Are we less rude? It's not the culture I'm in. Are we less rude to people? It's an aspect of love. Do we let things go that others do to us instead of keeping a mental list of their wrongdoings, waiting for the opportunity to get an, an open door so we can go, blam, 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 blam. Here's the six things that you did in the last three weeks that have just ticked me off, and I haven't got a chance to tell you yet, but I'm going to come both barrels blazing to unload these on you. Or can I let it go? Because all of those are aspects of love as defined in God's word, not by me. Number four, <clears throat> we can know God's will. We can know God's will. And the line right after that is God's will is simply his desire for us. His desire for us. I was raised in a very Pentecostal, charismatic um, wing of the evangelical church. And so, you know, if I talk about a Jericho march or doing a little hallelujah jig or whatever, you know what I mean? Or we, yeah, you know, somebody catches the Holy Ghost and the earrings fly and the wigs fall off or whatever. I'm right at home with all that, right? Because that's how, that's how it was. You know, it was very little air, air conditioning. There were orange pews 
and two of the three churches I grew up in, it was weird. And the other one was green with orange flakes. They're stuck on orange. Maybe because it's Florida and the Bucks. Maybe I don't know. <clears throat> so they were all stuck on that. And um, for some reason, there was like this big emphasis on finding God's will. Like I remember going to youth camp. I remember going to youth conference. I remember going to youth group. I remember to talking to everybody, and I begged God. Because everyone told me I needed God to know God's will for my life. I needed to know God's will. And so I prayed for God's will. I sang for God's will. I cried for God's will. I fasted for God's will. Not long because I was really hungry. But I would, I, would do all of these, I would do all these things to be like God's will. And I talked about God's will so much that people named William were nervous to walk around me. Because I just kept talking about God's will, God's will, God's will. He's like, bro, it's making me nervous. Stop. <clears throat> and so... Um, I was so focused on trying to figure it out as if it was some secret mystery I had to unlock. Like he didn't want me to know what his desire was for my life. As if I had to pray in a certain length of time or read a certain number of chapters in the Bible before God would tell me exactly what his will for my life is. <clears throat> when I say his will, I'm not talking about Matt, I have a decision between school A and school B. Prayerfully consider, and the Spirit of God will lead you to the right one. Through providence, through peace, through whatever. He'll lead you to the right one. Sometimes, this will cook your noodle, sometimes he doesn't care which one you go to. That blew my mind. It took me a year to, to wrap my head around. Wait, what? I've been focused on God's will so much, and uh, like I came to a decision. He's like, I ah, just pick one. Wait, what? What? I can choose? Yeah, I don't know if I like this. You just tell me what to do. This one's closer to my house. Okay, go there. What if I miss out on something on the other one? You know what I mean? Like it was so like ingrained in me to be fearful I was going to miss God's will. <clears throat> but if I think back to that, it, I, I almost viewed God's will as secret knowledge kind of like the gnostic new age new spirituality guys today and during the time of corinthian or during the time of the colossian church they had some secret thing they had to uncover and that's really what i thought and then i clearly found out what god's will is for everybody in his word it's just his desire, the thing he wants for you, the thing that he wants to have accomplished, the thing he wants done. So let's look at a couple of those things really quick. There's bullet points here in your notes. God desires for everyone to come to repentance. It's his will, his desire that everyone come to repentance. How do I know that? 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It didn't say that they will do that or he'll force them. It says that that's what he desires. That is his will for us. Let's go back to that passage in Colossians that we read. Here's Paul again. We ask um, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Wait, what? We're asking God to give you complete knowledge of his will and spiritual understanding? Like just that easy? 
then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you'll grow as you learn to know God better and better. So what he wants is for everyone to come to repentance. <clears throat> There's a lot of people today, and I thought about it this morning. I ran across, see, this is a bad thing. I should not be, like, scrolling through social media before, like, on the things I got to preach because I get angry about some stuff. Well, there's a church on the East Coast, a very older traditional church that, well, I don't know if it was like Catholic or Methodist or whatever, but it was in like this big, you know, kind of grandiose cathedral. And a couple weeks ago, um, they introduced to the church the city's top drag queen and played the music for the drag queen to walk down the center aisle in some of the raunchiest stuff and stand on their stage, flip around and dance and bend over repeatedly and throw up their hands and all this kind of stuff, and everyone in the church stood and applauded. On moments like that, I slip up and go, God, can you just come right now? <laughs> like, let's just call it over. Like, this, isn't this, like, good enough right here? Like, can we just put it, like, a, a, this is, like, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Can you just come back right now? And I see a lot of people that get in that position I was this morning, frustrated, angry, horrified at what I just watched in a church service with people who are professing to be believers, clapping the city's greatest uh, um, um, uh, cross-dresser trans lady comes in and dances, a drag queen. What are we doing? Man, my skin crawled as just a believer as a pastor I was getting mad but there are some people who look around at the at the, the culture spiraling out of the out of control and going I remember the good old days I don't know when I think about stuff like that I think of rednecks for some reason it just kind of comes out of me so that's where the accent is so sorry but I know it's other people as well I was thinking about them good old days things weren't like this people had a reverence for the good book and the man upstairs. And they're, oh God, just come back now. And he doesn't. Because why? He doesn't desire anyone to be lost. He wants everyone to come to repentance. So we have, if, if he wants us to exist in the middle of a culture that is that is going through such degradation and degeneration and debauchery so that we can reach out to more people and other people will know him. Maybe he pushes the pause button just a little bit on that return because his will is none of us. None of us would perish. The second thing he wants, <clears throat> God desires believers to follow Jesus' teachings. God desires believers to follow Jesus' teachings. Jesus said it out of his own mouth, John 14, 15, if you love me, obey my commandments. And what is his commandments? Matthew 22, 36 through 40, lines out the two big ones for us. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. 
A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So what does he want? He wants nobody to perish. He wants everybody to come to repentance. And he wants us to love him with everything we've got and love others the way we love ourselves. And how do we do that? We talked about it earlier is love is patient. It is kind. Are those attributes growing in us towards other people? And it almost catches us off guard at some point. The third thing he wants. God desires believers to tell others about the gospel. God desires us as believers, as the church, to take the message of the gospel to others. Is that really on us? Matthew 28, 19 through 20. These are the words of Jesus right before he ascended into heaven. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He doesn't want the pastor or the church staff or the worship leader or the evangelist or one of the admins on the church staff to be the ones to tell everybody else. And you'll just pay their salary through an offering so that he gets you off the hook and they go do the work of the ministry. No, it is the work of the church. And who is the church? We are the church. That work is given to you. If you are a believer in Jesus, you are a member of the church, and that work is given to you. Do you have to go on the corner of 15th Avenue and Bell with a soapbox and a megaphone and, and, and you know blast everybody that stops at the red light outside Schlotsky's? No. But are you supposed to love God with everything you've got? The fruit of salvation happens. The fruit of the Spirit begins to grow in your life. And then you begin to treat people in these other ways. And when they say, why do you treat me this way when I have treated you horribly? Let me tell you about the man who changed my life. The last one we'll talk about here is God desires us to mature in our relationship and understanding of him. It's the next bullet point in your notes. God desires us to mature in our relationship and understanding of him, in our relationship and understanding of him. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 6 lays this out pretty clearly for us. Let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Okay, let's stop right there for a second. What he's saying there is there's an elementary lessons that we all need to understand. And then there are deeper truths and mature understandings that we move on to. What are the elementary things? Let's keep reading. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptism the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. Did you see that list? The importance of repenting from evil deeds, placing our faith in God, 
baptism, the laying on of hands. If you don't know what the laying on of hands is, is if you're sick, you bring people to the elders of the church. In this case, it would be myself or, or Ryan or Brian. You come here, and we would actually lay hands on you and pray for you that God would heal you. That's an instruction given to us in Scripture. If you are out and you want to pray for a brother and sister of Christ, put your hand on them in an appropriate way. I got to say that in this culture, but put your hand on them in an appropriate way and then pray for them by laying on of hands. The resurrection from the dead, God's coming back, and those of us who have already died will be physically resurrected from, from the grave again. We're going to be right there, right next to Mrs. Mays, going with her, right up, right? The eternal judgment. If you reject Christ, if you don't have faith in him, there is an eternal punishment waiting for you, regardless of what the 30-second theologian, fake theologian on TikTok tries to tell you. That's not really what it means. Yes, it is. Pretty clear. And it's not just some complicated thing. These are the basics. I'm saved, and I'm repenting from my evil ways. I'm turning from all that stuff, Matt. I made it. Right. That's not the end. That's the beginning. You didn't make it to the finish line. You became alive, and now you can actually start running in a direction that matters. What does he say? When God shows us his will and gives us spiritual wisdom and understanding, next line of your notes, we will know the way to live that honors him and produces every kind of good fruit. We will know the way to live that honors him and produces every kind of good fruit. We can know God's will. We just read it. We just read it. As we know his will and live out what he, the principles, the doctrine of what he's lining out here for us, as we live those things, we begin to honor him with our life, and our life begins to produce every kind of good fruit. Number five, <clears throat> we will continue to grow as we live and follow Christ. I run into a lot of people I guess I should say I used to run into a lot of people who said things like this to me. Um, I know I'm supposed to witness, a little keyword for the church, right? Like church, Christianese word. I know I'm supposed to tell other people about my story, about how I went from life to death, how Jesus saved me. What I used to be, he entered, and now what I am. But a little hesitant to do that, Matt. Because... I don't feel like I know quite enough just yet. I haven't come around to know, like, the right thing to say. I mean, I mean what am I supposed to say? I mean, how do you, is, do you have a script for me I could use? No, I don't really know what to say yet. I'm not really sure about every aspect of my faith, and so if they ask me a question, I don't want to look dumb, because that's not going to be good, right? Like, you don't want me to look dumb. I don't want to look dumb for God, right? And sometimes I don't understand all the scriptures that I read and I just I'm just not ready yet, I'm just not ready yet. one of the people who said that in the past a lot but we are supposed to grow as we follow Christ can we follow by standing still 
Let me give an example. This is the only example. I'm not really doing this. Everybody understand? I'm not really doing what I'm about to say. It's just an example. <clears throat> Let's say I said, hey, after service tonight, I'm going to take y'all to this new ice cream spot, and it's on me. I'm not doing this. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's an example. <clears throat> and it's called Heavenly Ice Cream. You know? So good it'll save you, right? Dead um, uh, Heavenly ice cream. So everybody, after we're done, we're going to turn off the live stream. We're going to turn out the lights. Everybody go get your cars and follow my truck. Just follow me. And then some people go, eh, can you just give me the address? I could, but with all the storms that happened last night, it literally blew the manhole covers off of all the streets on Cave Creek. It really did. And there's holes in the road. So I know there's roads that are washed out because we were driving in it last night and the water was up to my doors. And so we're gonna, I'm going to show you the places to avoid. These, these, the, the, some of the lights are out. There's trees down in some of the streets. I know which way to go to avoid all of these things. And if you go the way that you think you're supposed to go to get there, it's dead ends everywhere. There's only one way to get there. Just follow me. It's easier for you to follow me. I mean to give you turn-by-turn -turn instructions. If I got in the car, cranked it up, God willing that I cranked up, and Mike didn't have to make a crank up, but God willing that I cranks up and that I drive out on the I drive out on the on, on the road, and some of you sit in your car and be like, Phew. I'm just gonna sit here. I'm really unsure about where we're going. I don't like to be on the streets. I don't know like I, that. I don't like. Would you be able to follow me to the place that we're going by standing still? Have you ever seen something grow that stayed the same? You ever seen that? Why? Because growth implies you're changing. You're getting bigger. You're getting stronger. You're branching out in a new direction. This is all happening. So... What I'm trying to tell you is Paul lays out a progression of what happens in this short little passage that we dealt with today. Look at the progression. I put them in your notes. God reveals his will to us. He gives us more and more spiritual under, wisdom and understanding. We learn to live in a way that's honoring to the Lord. We begin to bear all kinds of fruit. While we, grow, while we grow, we learn to please the Lord more and more. As we're doing that, God grants us patience, joy, and a special endurance to continue following him in the way he's leading us. And then all the time we're doing those things, we remember what Jesus did for us, how he removed us from darkness and destruction and puts us in the light of his eternity. Do you see the progression? His will is known from his word. He gives you more understanding as you follow the principles of his word, loving him, loving others, following Jesus' commands, just doing simply what was lined out for us. Then when we are made new, he begins to show us this is the way we're supposed to live, and that life begins to honor him because I don't want to do something that dishonors the person who gave his life for me. We begin to bear all kinds of fruit. Do you see the progression here? Does it say, wait till you have, you have 
come into full bloom and you're, there's so much fruit on of your life that the limbs are hanging to the ground before you ever take a step and make a move to try to tell somebody about Christ, to try to live out God's will, to do things the way he's lined them out. Does it say to wait to do that? No, it says this is his will. Start walking in it. As you begin to walk, you begin to grow. He gives you endurance. There becomes new patience and you mature as you move with him. <clears throat> Even if you don't understand the direction that you're going and he's saying to follow him in, keep moving. Keep reading, keep praying, keep asking questions, keep gathering together, keep listening, keep learning, keep being inquisitive, keep following Jesus, not the church, not me, not your favorite online minister, not the guy who gives you the nice little hits online. No, follow him. And as you follow him, this happens, not me. It would be a lot easier to just, in, in some people's eyes, from a pastoral level to be like, look, here's what I'm going to do. Here's the nine things. you got to do the same nine things. You'll be good. But then that ties you to me, and when I screw up, your faith falls apart. Your roots are not here. Your roots are in him. You're the sheep of his pasture. He's our shepherd. As I kind of got into this message and was going through it, <clears throat> it became very clear that Paul is pretty cut and dry about this stuff. Direct. Well, hey, man, it's okay if you feel uncomfortable. Let's just, just dip your toe in the water. Well, somebody will go with you as you're doing a prayer walk and knock on the doors, and they'll example how it is to do the things, and then you they'll do a, th a few doors, and then when you feel comfortable, maybe you can do a door, and then you start praying, and just you just spend like 10 seconds on a prayer, and then you start to get a little bit more and more. As you go. No, he didn't say that. Why? Because he's not ashamed to tell people this is the standard. He is not afraid of any culture to look at them and say, I don't care what the culture tells you. I don't care what the pressures from the outside world are for you. I don't care who's going to mock you and make fun of you. This guy's been shipwrecked. This guy's been thrown into jail. This guy's been bitten by snakes this guy has all of these things that have been going on in his life he is and at the beginning when we read a couple of weeks ago he had to literally sneak out of a city for people that were trying to murder him he sat nine years in tarsus by himself i don't think he cares about the oh i'm just a little nervous what and as i'm reading that I'm looking at myself as someone who's presenting the gospel, and I'm wondering, have I given outs to people that I shouldn't have given? Have I told people, it's okay, man. 
when I should have called them to follow what he said. When you look at this, most of this and the people that I know in this room, I'm very familiar with all of you or most all of you. This, what I'm saying here, probably doesn't come as much of a surprise to you. Some of these things you have heard repeatedly. <clears throat> but our westernized church has given us a pass because we value money, fame, and power. And if anything might affect your money, fame, and power, ease up. Because God don't want anything to affect your money, fame, and power. Because those are the three things that we call blessings. And so the conviction that sat on me this morning as I was going through this one last time was. This is the standard. And as your pastor, who's basically a brother in Christ, who's been tasked with this role to present the gospel and teach it to you, to disciple you in obedience to what Christ has said so that you can in turn go do it with other people. I cannot look at you and be like, hey, man, it's okay. Now, there's grace for you if you mess up. You're going to mess up. The sin, the, 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 the blood of Christ um, covers the sins you that you've committed in the past, the ones that you're trying to get of now, and the ones that you will commit in the future. It doesn't give you license to go do it, whatever you want, but there's grace for you when you mess up. So in that instance, yes, stop the sinning, go and sin no more, but this is the standard. This is it. This is not what Matt is calling you to. This is what God, through his word, the Holy Spirit inspired through Paul, has laid out for the people in Colossae, and their culture looks a lot like ours. And even though it wasn't written to us, this was written for us and is applied to us. And this is the standard that we are being called to live at. Matt, it's hard. Right, but it's not complex. It's difficult because I might lose friendships over this. Mm-hmm. Hard, yes. Complicated, no. This is the standard. What he just lined out, following God's will, doing what he wants, moving from death to life, telling other people about the gospel, making sure that we are growing and maturing in our faith when people around us are deconstructing that we continue to follow him in a way that pleases and honors him. There's many times in the New Testament where Jesus actually um, uh, said the words, uh, he who has ears, let him hear at the end of a story. Like he gave a parable and something people didn't understand and he went, he who has ears, let him hear. And I heard somebody say once that when he's saying that, he's basically going, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. If you're really listening and really following, there's something that's going to trigger in you to go, oh, I understand what he's telling me. Why? Because you're his sheep. These are his words. And you're supposed to know 
his voice. If you mess up, which you will, when I mess up, which I will, we're supposed to confess it to a brother or sister in Christ, confess it to God, and repent, turn from it. Don't do it again. And move on. But from the conviction of my own dang message this morning, I can no longer look at people and be like, it's okay. It's, it's sorry, just take your time. I, I don't want to rock the boat too much for you. I mean, just come when you're ready. Can't do it. Why? Because that would be my standard, not his. And his standard, he just laid it out pretty plainly. So, if you're a believer in Christ in this room, the Spirit of God resides in you. And if you think living up to that standard is a little scary, Matt, I don't know if I can do it. The good news is you can't do it. But the God who has given you his spirit will empower you to live at a level that you can't do it on your own. Through your dead, fleshly, uh, uh, um, disciplined actions, you can never achieve it. You can't. Because he knows that you can't serve him and live his standard without him. So the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is the spirit of God that resides in you and will empower you to grow and mature to that standard. Not so we can elevate to look down on the people around us and be like, well, I'm living at this standard. Why are you not doing that? No, because you would never get to that point if that was your attitude. Because you were not showing love. You were not having the Holy Spirit give you love for other people. People. You would look at them and go, I had no, I have no business being up here. I have no business being this deep in my relationship with God or mature and understanding because I can't do it on my own. I'm reaching down to help you. This is the standard, and he has empowered you through his spirit to live his standard. I cannot let people off the hook anymore. And my encouragement to you is not let yourself off the hook anymore. Now, if you have a morbid sense of self-responsibility where you beat yourself up in your mind, I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling you to not give yourself the American pass for a principle that would work here, but not anywhere else. His word is pretty clear. It's not just convicting for you. It's convicting for me. 